They have 200 yards rushing. Okay. We scored touchdowns on the first three possessions of the ball. Marcus Sherrill is three yards away from the punter turn record in Flip the field position, right? The defense had nine sacks. Now, one. Okay? That's one. Okay? We get to enjoy it today, but we're coming back to work tomorrow, okay? And uh, I am proud of you. Yeah, all right. Mike Zimmer bringing us in to another edition of the Wobcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm your host, Mike Wobshall, coming to you from TCO Performance Center and the TCO Studios in Egan, joined, as always, by co-host and producer Chris Corso. What's up, dude? I was pretty jacked after hearing that speech, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, he gave the game ball to the offensive line. Um, he said a few um, a few cuss words to get everyone excited. So that happened. Yeah, I don't in the know what room. he said when when the sound went out on those little. Yeah, we'll there. have to I go think, back and dig it up. I yeah. think he said something good. Yeah, so everyone was super pumped up in the locker room, and that's always a fun place to be. It was not a traditional victory Monday for the Vikings late in the season. Mike Zimmer had everyone come back to the building and get back to work to watch the tape from their victory so, as he said, they could see what they were capable of doing and get a jump start on preparing for the Detroit Lions. That will be the task at hand up next for the Vikings. They travel to Detroit next weekend for a game against the Lions at Ford Field kickoff noon central time. We'll get to previewing the Vikings and Lions game later in the week on another edition of the Wobcast. For now, though, we're going to take a look back and review the Vikings' victory over the Miami Dolphins. No better way to do that than with sounds of the game. We know you all love to listen back to sounds of the game after a Vikings victory. So here we go. We're going to start it off with the Vikings' offense, which scored touchdowns on its first three possessions. It started with a touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins to this guy. Cousins, here's a shot for a touchdown. Stephon Diggs. The Vikings make it look easy on the opening drive of the day. TD, number two on the day, went to RB1, Dalvin Cook, who sprinted around the left end and into the end zone. It's Cook. Turns the corner. Dalvin Cook, touchdown. Good block from Ham. The Vikings offense is clicking. He bounces it to the outside. The block by David Morgan there. And then the bad angle by McCain. Bobby McCain does not contain. And Cook scores. Not to be outdone, RB2 got in on the action too. Latavius Murray found pay dirt. Here's what it sounded like. Murray. Down the sideline for a touchdown. The Vikings can do no wrong on offense. Oh, yeah? You like some defensive football? Well, how about nine quarterback sacks? That's right, nine. Count them up right here. It's tied for the largest deficit they've ever faced through one quarter of play in franchise history. Tannehill couldn't get out of trouble, and he's sacked by Anthony Barr. First down for Miami, short of the 40. Look out. Tannehill, the timing was perfect. Anthony Barr. Tannehill looking at five defensive backs on a third and eight. Tannehill is sacked again. Eric Kendricks came firing through. Play clock down to two. 
Tannehill under pressure, and he is sacked again. Mackenzie Alexander leading the charge with Everson Griffin. But it's time for Miami to throw it. Tannehill cannot. The Vikings keep the pressure on in the box score for the Dolphins. Tannehill steps up. Tannehill is sacked. Tom Johnson. Tannehill. They can't handle it. Daniil Hunter. The Vikings have owned them. Fourth and 13 after the timeout. Tannehill again. He is sacked over and over again. Oh, it wouldn't be a Vikings win without an Aldrich Robinson touchdown. He's got 17 catches. Five of them are for touchdowns. Here was number five. Cousins on third and long. Steps up. Cousins. Deep ball. Separation. Touchdown. Aldrich Robinson. Cousins is on the money. Yes, Dalvin Cook found the end zone twice. Here's what number two sounded like. You can add to the number here. A beautiful spin move. And Cook takes it to the outside. Oh, what an effort. Dalvin Cook. Touchdown, Vikings. Yes, the offense looked great, and it was behind Kevin Stefanski, a 13-year coach here with the Vikings, finally gets his chance to call plays. And, man, did it start off hot. The most yards for an offense in any quarter for the Vikings in the first quarter in the entire NFL. It was behind Dalvin Cook. It was behind screen passes. The passing game, Kirk Cousins in play action. Such a great first quarter. Let's hear from the offense on how they felt about the game. Yeah, it definitely was was simpler, but uh, we still had uh, everything that we needed. And, um, again, uh, Coach did a great job of, of keeping the defense off on their heels. They didn't know if it was run, pass, and uh, – and obviously, he, he let the guys that were playing well and then were hot, uh, you know, take over and, and carry our offense. You know, he's been here a long time and, and uh, understands, you know, NFL football and offensive football. And um, I'm, I'm happy for him and um, happy for this team right now after a big, big home win. All right, Chrissy and I are each going to offer a take from the game, but first. The most important take comes from the head coach. Here's what Mike Zimmer had to say about the game in his press conference. Okay, um, good team win yesterday. I thought we played well in all three phases. Um, you know, we ran the ball effectively, hit, had some nice play actions. Uh, you know, we flipped the field position in uh, the return game. And uh, defensively, other than the one play, I thought we played, played really well. He played about 20 plays. I mean, he was a little rusty still, but I mean, uh, you know, it's always nice to get another guy in there and help help some of that. With having so many different voices uh, throughout the week, you mentioned with you know helping Kevin in his first time calling plays. Did Todd Downing play a big role in that? Just you know, given his experience, you know, last year not. I think I think all of the guys kind of communicated well all week. All the all the offensive coaches. So um, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think it was any more than anybody else. Was getting the play action going just a matter of running the ball so effectively early, or was there any deviation from what you had done previously? Um, what do you mean? Um, deviation. Did, from, well, was there anything different about the way you approached play action 
situations, or was did it work so well because you ran the ball so well? Yeah, I mean, it, it helps when you run the football. And, uh, you know, they were crowding the line of scrimmage, so that helped a little bit. And, um, you know, the the touchdown to Diggs, the corner had bad eyes. You know, he was looking inside at the uh, – looking inside at the uh, – you know, the, the runner and the quarterback. And so, you know, when you catch guys doing that, then you can take advantage of it. Mike, before the change of OC, you were preaching, let's get back offensively to something simpler. Let's pare it down, do what we do best, let the players play. And to see that put in motion yesterday, is that was that the biggest key, the biggest difference, do you think? Letting them do it and just go out and play? Well, I think they, I think they were confident going into the ball game. I, you know, I don't think it's really anything different. Um, and, and you know, we pared some things down, but you know, we we ran like one play ten times, but with ten different variations. So, I mean, sometimes that's what it is too. You you format it differently, and you give them a different look, so they can't key on one thing. But you're basically running the same play. Hey, Mike Sherrill's had a history of some long punt returns, but how much with him is just. The fact that he's going to secure the ball and give it back to the offense when you send him out there. Yeah, that's important all the time. Um, and he's done a really good job with that. I think since I've been here, there's been one fumble or something. Um, but, you know, I, we, we kind of challenged him a little bit this last week of, you know, being more aggressive. Uh, you know, in Seattle, we, you know, the ball bounced one time. Um, there was uh, another time when I thought he, he could have uh, returned it. That he fair caught so, and then this time he was much better, and I thought we blocked better on the rest of the edges too. Yeah, Mike, you talked about getting the guys in here this this morning to watch this tape instead of a normal Victory Monday. What's going to be the important factors for you to make sure that this continuity or this that this keeps rolling moving forward? This well, I, I, the offense or just in general? Um, well, I think it's. I thought it was important that they come in and and see the tape to see number see what they're capable of doing. Um, you know, have a good, again, a good feeling about, you know, where they're at and where we're, hopefully where we go. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to go out and do it again. This, uh, you know, Detroit will be harder to run against than uh, Miami will. When you have a back like Dalvin Cook, how much of an emphasis is there and um, running on some of those, like, second and longs? I think they were, like, you know, second and 19, second and you know, 20, several. Yeah, and he got about 10 on them and made it third and 10, you know. Uh, um, they gave us some good looks to run the ball in the other night on some of those down and distances. And when you do, uh, you know, you have an opportunity to hit some of those things. So, uh, but when, you know, when Dalton gets in, in open space and sometimes not even open space, uh, he makes a lot of players miss. Uh, he's got great feet, great acceleration, catches the ball well, um, and really his vision is outstanding. So, you know, all those things. You know, there was a couple other runs in there I thought he was going to bust. Uh, he was real close to. So, um, yeah, we, I mean, we want to try and get him the ball a lot. Like we always used to see that with Adrian when the quarterback would be under center and he'd come out of the backfield with a full head of steam. When Kirk is under center, does Dalvin have any benefit from that when he's able to hit the line at full speed? Uh, I really think that, I really think that uh, Dalvin can run from the gun or from under center. I think it just, um, some plays are a little bit better under center than they are from the gun, but we've, uh, but he can really do both really well. You, you mentioned a few times this year how much you like the offensive line's character kind of attitude. Uh, does that kind of thing you think have more impact on success at um, 
that position group than maybe others? Or is that just more important to have that in in that position group? Well, it's a little bit of a mindset, you know. It's um, I know if you go go back and look at last year, you know, we ran the ball a lot, but we had a mindset that you know we we're going to be a physical football team. Uh, Team that doesn't beat yourself, smart and uh, and uh, play good defense and and good on special teams. And I thought we did that yesterday. Um, you know, pretty good. Delvin talked about some of the size of the holes that he was running through yesterday, and I think you even mentioned the offensive line when you talked about coming in and watching the tape. What did you see with the offensive line that maybe different or? Um, well, I mean, a lot of the runs. Were similar runs uh, that we've had in the past. It just uh, they had a wide defensive end, so that was part of it. Their linebackers were fast downhill, sometimes out of their gaps, uh, so that gave us some opportunities on some of those things. And uh, we were able, you know, we were able to cut them off and knock knock guys off to the backside. And I thought we did a good job of getting to the second level. Um, you know, the double teams were were good, but. Um, you know they, you know I'm not trying to discredit how they play defense or anything like that, but they play a little different style up front. That if you can if you can do that, you can get some creases in there. But then he talked about his maturity both on and off the field since coming in. How much has that helped him kind of take the next step this year? A lot. Um, he was pretty immature when he first got here, um, so uh, that didn't that didn't take long. Uh, but he's grown up a lot. He spends a lot of time studying now. He's a lot of time uh, with Terrence and George and and uh, Jerry, um, and really he's been playing really well. He seems to love the opportunities he gets to blitz. How, how have you seen that? Yeah, we well, should. He doesn't get blocked. <laughs> <laughs> he's somebody told me he set a record or something, but heck, if you don't get blocked, that one's those, those he should have an asterisk by that name. Building on that, your D line does seem to, your, your D line does seem to be freeing up the blitzers to make it through cleanly. Whether it's him, whether it's a safety, whether it's Barr, um, just how, how is that uh, really gelled together? Yeah, well, they pay attention to the defensive line pretty good, um, you know. And we have smart players on defense, and so typically, um, you know, when we we can show one blitz and run another, or vice versa, or, you know, different things. Or, you know, there's certain things we're trying to do in, in the blitz package that um, try to affect the offense. How much have you had to change up the, the blitz packages throughout the season just to make sure that you're not getting predictable? A little bit. I mean, we've, we've as the season gone on, we've changed a few up. There was a couple, maybe four or five yesterday that we um, – hadn't really shown much of so that um, you know it's but it's it's you know part of the game plan thing just seeing what we feel like we can do and how we can attack certain players and you know and then you know sometimes it's just we're gonna we're gonna do this blitz so that we can get you know some of these chips off the defensive ends uh, looking for another receiver early on in uh, the season was specifically a deep vertical threat stretch the field type guy what you wanted or was it just a matter of the guys that you had here and getting a guy like Al Aldrich Robinson just kind of presented it that way well Kirk, Kirk knew Aldrich and um, so that was part of it but um, you know and he, we, we did feel like we need a little bit more vertical threat um, so that was part of it but I mean it, if it would have been 
you know, somebody a little slower, we probably would have liked them too. I mean, you know, it's just, it just worked out the right way. Would you have a new play caller in, in week 15 like you did yesterday? Is there any benefit in terms of that basically being unscouted, the opponents not knowing his tendencies as a play caller? Yeah, but, you know, uh, Ben, it's, it's, you know, really hard to change everything you do in four days. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they had a decent idea on a lot of the things. Now, we ran some plays that they probably hadn't seen before, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't think we went like 100 degrees the other way. Does uh, Alter catch people off guard? Well, I don't think they lose track of them. I, you know, I think somebody's assigned to him most of the time. They just, you know, we we quick counted them there on that one, and uh, uh, you know, they they were having a little bit of a hard time getting lined up on some of those things, and so. Um, I'm trying to think what the coverage was exactly, but um, you know they're going to pay extra attention to the other two guys. You ever had a guy that's you know had the, you know, the touchdown to catch ratio as high as his? Is. Yeah, um, not that I can think of. I hope he keeps getting them. You Time talk, for two more. You've obviously talked about Dalvin's athleticism, but what do you think when you watch moves like that spin move he had yesterday and stuff? Watch it back on tape. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that was a great run. Um, uh, not even not so much the spin, but uh, the three other guys he made miss after it was was pretty pretty good too. So um, yeah, he's a he's an unbelievable talented guy, and uh, you know the more that he can continue to have games like this, the the better we'll be as a football team. What does it mean to get so many people involved? Uh, you mentioned Morgan had 23 snaps, Conklin 23, CJM 18. Uh, did, did that make a difference yesterday? Um, yeah, we've been, you know, we've been trying to do that a little bit. Um, you know, some of it, uh, you know, we've been doing it as defensively as well. You know, some of the defensive linemen snaps are down. Um, trying to get them fresh in the fourth quarter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the more, the more pieces you can put in there and, and maybe run similar things, I think it's good because it, you know, they're, they're scouting, you know, when, when Rudolph's in, when, you know, or, or, you know, whatever, when Treadwell's in or opposed to Robinson or, um, so, you know, be, having guys that are versatile that can do a lot of things is, is important. Okay. All right, Chrissy, you were there. You took in the game in person yourself at U.S. Bank Stadium. Lots of things happened, lots of takeaways from this game. What's number one, though, on your list? I think the biggest thing that gets hidden, seeing 17 points on the board, was that the Vikings' defense only allowed 10 points, and seven came on one play um, where Kenyon Drake kind of took— 70. 75. Yo, know, that was like—it came yeah. out of nowhere where he—most fans were still in their— on the lines during the intermission and halftime, and, yeah. and they didn't even get to see that. Yeah. Um, so that was seven points there, and then seven points, of course, on the Kirk Cousins pick six. But this yeah. offense was spe- uh, this defense was spectacular. I mean, how great they played! Eight sacks in the second half. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. They they became the second team in the NFL history since 1990 that had nine two nine sack games in, in a, a season. season. Wow. So um, that was that was. I couldn't even yeah. I can't tell you how excited I am about let, this defense. Let right me now. amplify your point on the Vikings defense. 
Do it. The Vikings defense is the number one third down defense in the NFL, and they held the Dolphins to two of 12 on third downs on Sunday. Here's why they were able to do it. Do you know what the average to-go distance was for Miami on third downs? No. What was that? On average, 12.2 yards. That's the, I, I assume you're not going to give up many right. points if that's the case. 12.2 yards on average to go on third wow. down for the Miami Dolphins, which means the Vikings' defense was getting work done on the early downs, which has been a point of emphasis for Mike Zimmer and this defensive staff. So bravo to the Vikings' defense. In fact, I dug a little bit further, and it was second down where the Vikings made their money. On 15 second down snaps in the game, the yep. Vikings permitted eight net yards. That's amazing. Eight net yards on second down allowed in that game against that the Dolphins. So unbelievable. Bravo Vikings defense, not just only the nine sacks, but not just being number one on third down, but getting the job done on the early downs. Yeah, there were a few um, leaky run plays here and there, but they got those things corrected. I thought it was a really good performance by the Vikings defense. For me, the top takeaway was the way the Vikings started the game. With you know, To dovetail off your point, Chrissy, starting fast for this team, it's important for every team, but when you have a defense like the Vikings, your chances of winning are so much gr- greater yep. when you start fast because then this Vikings defense can really start teeing off when it comes to pass rush, when it comes to blitz calls, when it comes to mixing up coverages. Mike Zimmer can get really creative. And the way the Vikings had balance on offense allowed them to start this game fast. They put up 21 points. But if you go back and watch the first series, it was a great mix of runs and passes. The second play of the game was a screen pass. Latavius Murray's first run was for six yards. Dalvin Cook's first run was for six yards. Dalvin Cook had a 27-yard reception on the first series. So it was just a great mix of play calls and play design early in the game, and it had the Dolphins' defense guessing. And if you look at the first touchdown of the game to Stephon Diggs and take a look at what the second- and third-level defenders are doing for the Dolphins, they are guessing. And it's a play-action fake by Kirk Cousins, and the Dolphins are guessing run. The defense gets sucked up, and Diggs gets behind them for a really easy touchdown. Loved the balance and the fast start for the Vikings on offense. That was my top takeaway from the game. Well, yeah, when, when the running game is working, Kirk Cousins in play action also working. Mm-hmm. Six for six on his play action passes. Oh, is that right? That was the nice number. Yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable to see. I really like when he is out in motion, whether it's on the right or the left side of the hash, and the way he is when, he, when, he's, when he's moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like in the past he was really – kind of just in that shotgun formation, kind of just like a statue there, just firing passes, which which did work, of course, with all the numbers that he was able to put up. But when he is moving and we are running the ball well, that's when the Vikings offense is at its best. That's right. Okay, let's take a look at this playoff picture before we get to fan mail. Um, we got a little bit of clarity yesterday. Uh, the good news is we knocked some teams out. Redskins still in it. Eagles still in it. Uh, Panthers still in it, but we got some teams out of there. The Giants are eliminated. Guess who else was eliminated from playoff contention yesterday? The Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they're out. See you guys later. So we eliminated a couple of teams, but this thing is still messy. This NFC playoff picture, it could turn out to look a lot of different ways, including the Chicago Bears still being alive 
for a one or two seed, believe it or not. So this thing is far from over. The Vikings currently sit as the sixth seed, which means if they win the rest of their games, they will make the playoffs. They can still make the playoffs even if they lose games, but right now they are in. So if they can hold serve the rest of the way, they will make the playoffs. The Vikings cannot be any higher than the five seed. They will be the five seed or the six seed if they make the playoffs. They are battling for position with the Seattle Seahawks, who are the five seed. Then it's the Vikings, who are the six seed. The Eagles nipping at the Vikings' heels, as are the Carolina Panthers, and as are the Washington Redskins. Teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, the New York Giants, and the Green Bay Packers, they have been eliminated. So this playoff picture, not clear, still a long ways to go, but next week's obviously going to be a super important week in the NFC. Anything to add there? Yeah, I would just say that Vikings fans should keep an eye on Philadelphia and Washington next week. Those two teams will battle it out in week 17, the last week of the season. So we really want the Philadelphia Eagles to lose at the Houston Texans. And Washington, who do they take on in week 16? Well, Washington is at Tennessee. Yes. But that game against that Philly-Houston game is in Philly. It's, oh, it's in Philly. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, we have Philly playing the, the Texans, who are a great team this year. And then we have Washington and and. They're going on the road to Tennessee, who's there's, playing really yep, well right now. There's another important game. What's that? Kansas City at Seattle. That is huge. Okay. That's a big game because if we can get the Chiefs to win that game, that's going to give us some flexibility um, because then we would have a chance to jump the Seahawks because we can finish with the same number of wins as Seattle, and even though they beat us, we have the tiebreaker because we have a tie on our record. So yep. we have a half extra win, right? So – um, so that's going to be a game to watch, Kansas City at Seattle, in addition to what Chris said, Philadelphia hosting Houston and Washington traveling to Tennessee. So lots of scoreboard watching, but most importantly, lots of Vikings game watching because if the Vikings just win their games, they're going to be in good shape. All right, let's get to fan mail. All right, fan mail. The first one from Rick Roder in Iowa, Remsen, Iowa. What is your opinion of Cousins on his mobility? It seems that some NFL quarterbacks have excellent peripheral vision and no one to vacate the pocket and buy some time it seems to me that cousins has the mobility but for whatever reason is reluctant to leave the pocket unless it is designed your thoughts wabi yeah i think that kirk cousins is um is a quarterback who is very fundamentally sound very prepared and understands how coverage works and how plays are designed and it's, it's almost like he's a computer. You feed the computer information, the computer computes and spits out the right answer. And that's how Cousins is. I think that's quite a contrast to what we saw last season from Case Keenum, where I think Case's strength was as an improviser, where the play would break down or he was not able on that particular instance to operate the play as it was designed, but he was still able to find a way out of it. And so I think both ways are, are good. You know, I think... Like, Russell Wilson is a great improviser, and he's won a Super Bowl doing it that way. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a great improviser as well. He's won a Super Bowl doing it that way. But a guy like Drew Brees or a guy like Peyton Manning, those guys are, are like computers, right? Yep. And so I think that that's how Cousins is wired. He's wired to do it the way it's supposed to be done. 
So um, I think his mobility is good. I think he's athletic. I mean, Washington ran a lot of zone read concepts with him, and and the Vikings can do that. The Vikings can do RPOs with him and all that. He's got the mobility, but I think he would prefer to stay in the pocket because he understands that's where quarterbacks make money and win games is from the pocket in this league. This isn't college football. This isn't high school football. Quarterbacks can run. That's going to take a toll on you over time. Cousins knows that to win at a high level in the NFL, you got to stay in the pocket. And looking at the numbers, Kirk Cousins became the first Vikings quarterback to throw for 25 passes since... Touchdown passes. Since? Yep, 2009. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. And yeah. he will become the first to throw for 4,000 yards since 2009. So he is having quite the season for the, for the Vikings and yeah. one that we have not seen in a very long time. Sweet. Next from Ray Bustos. How about some love for Mike Zimmer? You know how hard it is to make the decisions that he made midseason? Took someone really in tune with his locker room, knowing they wouldn't panic but step up. Great job, Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Ray has a good point. You know, I mean, we're not celebrating the fact that John D. Filippo was relieved of his duties. That's, you know, a somber day in the league when anyone loses their job. Uh, but but Ray is right. Like sometimes leaders have to make really tough decisions like that, and they have to be calculated. They cannot be on impulse. This clearly was a calculated decision by Mike Zimmer, and for the first game at least, it worked out in a very positive way as the Vikings put up 41 points and uh, and and beat the Miami Dolphins, and uh, and so that was good. So yes, uh, kudos to Mike Zimmer. He had to make a tough decision. I'm sure he didn't like doing it, but now everyone has to move forward, and they got off on the right foot. Last one from Colton Gardner in Hammond, Wisconsin. Do you think the Vikings will make the playoffs? And if so, who will be our toughest opponent? I do think the Vikings will make the playoffs. I think Seattle losing yesterday um, to the San Francisco 49ers, um, it, it sort of it gave the Vikings another track to the postseason if they can't hold off the Eagles slash Redskins slash Panthers. Yep. Because now it just takes one Seattle loss and a Vikings win for the Vikings to have a chance to to slide ahead of them. So I do think the Vikings will get in. I think the Vikings will win their last two games. That would put them in. The Vikings can still get in going one and one. Um, so uh, they can also be out at one and one, but uh, going one and one still gives them a chance to get in. So I think the Vikings will make it. Chris, if I take a look, though, at the NFC and who are the toughest opponents, to me it's clear-cut. Is it to you? Yep, the New Orleans Saints because you're playing them in a loud dome, the Mercedes-Benz dome there, man. That's going to be the toughest game. I I think they're the toughest opponent. The Saints are rolling. Um, Give me the Bears. They can run it. They can throw it. They can play defense. You want Chicago, I want Chicago. I think we beat Chicago. Well, we're going to see them in Week 17. Yep. So we'll you find see out. see in Week 17. We lost to them earlier in the year, and I like the fact that we lost to them earlier in the year because we know what we did wrong in that game. And I think if we go back there, especially in the first round, I like our chances, and I would also like our chances against the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, yeah, who uh, are leaders of the NFC East right now. Yep. Philadelphia Eagles got their eye not just on the sixth seed. They got their eye on the NFC East Division Championship as well. That's so, right. Um, it's going to be fun to watch this playoff picture unfold, especially if we win games and we're a part of it. All right. Um, that's going to do it, I think, right? No more mail? I think that's it. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Wobcast. Chrissy and I will be back later this week with another edition of the Wobcast as we will get set to preview the Vikings' next game, which is against the Detroit Lions at Ford Field. So until then, we bid you adieu and farewell. We hope you enjoy the week. On behalf of producer and co-host Chris Corso, this is Wobby signing off for now.
Oh yeah, I started 